What's up, everybody? Glad you are joining me today as we continue on with our study of Revelation. We are now at chapter 20 where we will begin discussing the Millennial Kingdom. But, however, preparations must be made before that Millennial Kingdom can officially begin. The world is a mess uh, upon Christ's return. The world has been destroyed by the judgments of God. Seas and rivers and all the life in them you know, destroyed. The rivers turned to blood. Earthquakes and, and all kinds of natural disasters have rocked the landscape. You know, judgments of God have have killed the water supply and plants and all kinds of things. So the earth is not at a place where it's very livable. So not to mention the temp the temple in Jerusalem has been defiled when uh, the Antichrist set up the abomination of desolation and did all kinds of of wicked things there. So upon Jesus' return, the temple is unclean and and the abomination of desolation still remains in the temple so the temple must be cleaned and cleansed if and repaired if jesus is to enter it um and do anything there he must that must be cleansed first so we'll get to more about that later in addition to all the destruction of the judgments there is a massive amount of dead bodies everywhere due to the final battle so before the kingdom can officially begin, there has to be a time of preparing, or should I say repairing, the earth and cleansing the temple. So preparations need to be made before the official uh, millennial kingdom can begin. So, And there's some other things that need to happen as well. Also, during this time, certain groups will be given their new resurrected bodies or eternal bodies. The sheep and the goats will be separated as well. And there also will be the first judgment known as the judgment seat of Christ. When, uh, you know, which is regarding the believers. So when does all this happen? Daniel tells us there is a 75-day period uh, between the end of tribulation and the start of the millennial kingdom. It is during this time that preparations are made so the kingdom of Christ can officially begin. There is much to discuss, so let's get started. Let's begin with understanding the 75 days and how we come to that number. Where does that come from exactly? Because John doesn't mention it. Like before, John is giving an overview or a summary. Sometimes what John gives is like the cliff notes, uh, if you will. He doesn't give all the details because they have already been given. That is why we must look back to the prophets to find our answer. In our earlier episodes, Daniel showed us at, showed us you know, at the beginning of tribulation, a time frame was established regarding the tribulation period, and this time frame was seven years. And we were given the midpoint at which the Antichrist would break the covenant with Israel, and the number of those days marking that midpoint would be 1,260 days. And then that's using the Jewish calendar of 360 days a year. That is 3.5 years. Um, so the tribulation period is broken into two 1,260-day periods, beginning with the covenant with Israel that allows them to rebuild the temple and resume the sacrifices, and it goes into the return of Christ at Armageddon, where the armies of the beast are destroyed and the battle is over. Daniel 12, 11-12 says, From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. 
Okay, so now Daniel gives us a new set of days to count, a new time frame to understand. He says that at the midpoint, which is when the sacrificial system is abolished and the image of the beast is set up, known as the abomination of desolation, and it's set up in the temple, from that point until it is taken down will be 1,290 days. But we know that if the midpoint is 1,260 days, then that means the second half ends at the second 1260-day period, which is when Christ returns and ends the final battle. That would leave us 30 additional days unaccounted for, according to Daniel, once the battle is over. During those 30 days, the temple will be cleansed and the image of the beast destroyed and removed from the temple. But then Daniel goes further and says, Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. That is an additional 45 days. So now we can see there are two blocks of time that make up this interval period. Uh, the additional 30 days added uh, onto the 1260, making it 1290. And the additional 45 days, bringing it to 1,335 days before the official start of the Millennial Kingdom. Um, so, that being said, the first 30 days will involve cleanup and preparing the temple, removing the image of the beast, and the 45-day period will involve the first resurrection for some, along with the first judgment pertaining to the believers who will, who will be judged for their works, the fruit, their fruit as a believer. You know, as well as believers, you know, will receive their reward. You know, the sheep and the goats are separated. We'll talk about that more later. And responsibilities are given to those who inherit the kingdom and are blessed to enter it. Let's take a look at Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. It says, See, I will create a new I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will, I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. If you read the rest of this chapter, you will see it describes the millennial kingdom, talking about the wolf and the lamb will feed together. You know, those who have mortal bodies who haven't experienced the first resurrection because they were alive when Christ returned, uh, they will have children, you know, but there will be no fighting once people that were once enemies, animals that were, you know, enemies of each other, etc., will eat together uh, under and you know, during this time of peace, it also talks about how children won't die young and people will live out their days like the days before the flood. You know, now let's go back to what Isaiah says regarding a new heaven and or new heavens and a new earth. This is not talking about the new heaven and new earth that John will talk about later in Revelation 21. You know, due to our English translation it is easy to make the to make that compare comparison and kind of mix it up. But what Isaiah is talking about here is is better described using the word anew or recreation. Jesus will rebuild and restore the earth to prepare it for the millennial kingdom and for his reign during that thousand years. You know, reading the rest of Isaiah 65 makes it clear he is not referring to what John shows us in Revelation 21. That new heaven and earth will come after the thousand-year reign of Christ along with the second resurrection and the final judgment, which is the great white throne judgment. Okay, also notice Isaiah writes, 
I will create new heavens, plural. I will create new heavens, which is referring to the sky and outer space where the stars and sun and moon are, etc. All of that was damaged, damaged during the judgments of God too. And so Jesus will rebuild and restore all of it for us to enjoy during his millennial kingdom, making it livable and beautiful to say the least. That is going to be awesome. But, you know, a side note, I love the imagery once again, Jesus will take what is broken, that which has been destroyed, and from the ashes he will restore it better than before. You may have been broken, crushed, or feel like your life has been destroyed, burnt to the ground, so to speak, but Jesus can restore your life and make it better than before, better than it was. Out of the ashes of your life, he can help you rise and become more than you ever thought was possible. Isaiah also shows that during this time, there will still be sin and death. People will marry, have kids, and multiply throughout the earth. Sin will still be present on earth because people will have will be born into sin just like we are today. That is due to those who made it into the millennial kingdom that haven't died yet and do not have that resurrected uh, body, that new eternal body. Ezekiel even tells us that when Jesus rebuilds everything, there will be some unique changes, especially around Jerusalem. There will be an, a new breathtaking temple built for the opening of the kingdom, which Daniel refers to in chapter 12. Ezekiel also tells us that the new temple uh, will be the centerpiece of life in the millennial, in the millennial kingdom. All of the rebuilding will occur during the the first 30 days so to speak so obviously jesus will do it supernaturally so why take 30 days when he could do it instantly you know i believe god gives us the 30 days to observe and learn from what we see understanding god's character power and purpose this gives us time to learn and experience the wonder of it all and appreciate it fully you know the power of god and what he can do so also if the angel called for the birds to serve as the cleanup crew for the dead bodies that might take some time as well just a thought but lastly it is impossible uh it is po- i'm sorry it is possible that the antichrist and the false prophet are in hell during the first 30 days and are resurrected during the 45 day period in which they are given uh, resurrected bodies, seized and thrown into the lake of fire, being the first to inherit that punishment. Since the 45-day period will serve as kind of like a judgment period as well. But Satan will also be seized and chained up and, and thrown into the abyss during that 45-day period where, where he will uh, remain for a thousand years. The interesting bit of info, 30 consists of the number 3. And the number 10, 3 times 10 is 30, which is cool because 3 is symbolic of the Godhead and 10 is the number of testimony. And everyone in the kingdom will be a testimony to the power of God through Jesus. Likewise, the following 45 days has a unique symbolism as well. 9 times 5 equals 45. 9 is the number of judgment, which we know there will be some judgment during that time. And 9 is the number of judgment. Um, and five is the number of grace, which we will also see during that time. So like I have continuously said throughout the study, it this shows once again that in the middle of God's judgment, you will find grace. 
Now, this period of judgment begins with a partial judgment on the devil himself, the dragon. John tells us in Revelation 21 through 3, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. We will discuss his release later, but Satan is not thrown into the lake of fire uh, with the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, yet because he will be released once more at the end of the thousand years. And you know, once you, you are, once a being is thrown into the lake of fire, there's no return from that. Uh, therefore, Satan is locked away in the abyss, which is a real place, like we have mentioned before earlier in our studies of Revelation. Um, and it's a place uh, deep in the earth, not like, not hell or the lake of fire. It's a special place that God has locked away certain demons awaiting their final judgment and punishment. And it's also uh, where Satan will be locked away for that thousand years during that time. Um, God, you know, at the same time, God remains in heaven during the thousand years while Jesus reigns on earth, but he will eventually join him after the thousand years uh, when sin is purged from the earth. And of course, we'll cover that more later as well. So now let's address the 45 days and who will enter the kingdom and what has to happen first. It is important to understand that the kingdom will be a real physical place here on earth and one must have a real body in order to enter it and live there. We know that the church saints already have their resurrection bodies or their eternal bodies. That happened at the rapture of the church preceding the tribulation. So when they return with Jesus as the bride slash army, as they're described, they already have their new bodies. However, the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints that have died or been martyred during the tribulation, including the 144,000, are there as well, but are still in spirit form and have not received their new bodies. They haven't experienced the first resurrection. The Old Testament saints have been with Jesus in heaven in spirit form ever since he rose from the grave and brought them out of paradise and into heaven. Remember, before he ascended, he first descended to preach the gospel to the Old Testament saints in paradise. Upon his resurrection, he led them out of paradise and took them to heaven, granted them access to heaven. So no one could enter heaven without first putting their faith in Jesus. Uh, that is why they were held in paradise. So this should let you know that it has always been about Jesus from the beginning. He has always been the answer and the plan was always centered on Jesus. So first up, the receipt to receive their new resurrection uh, bodies or new eternal bodies are the Old Testament saints. Daniel 12, 1 describes that moment in Armageddon when salvation comes to Israel. But look at verse 2. Uh, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. We will address the second group mentioned here in a, in a moment. But the first group mentioned here are the Old Testament saints. It is also important to note that when Scripture says they will awake to everlasting life, it is painting a picture of a resurrection. Remember, when Christ died, he did not sleep for three days. You know, his spirit descended. He did not. He wasn't asleep in an unconscious state for three days. His spirit descended into paradise to give the gospel to the Old Testament saints, so they could put their faith in Him officially. Thus, they could be granted access to heaven. Likewise, Christ, when you know, like. 
Christ, when we die, we do not literally sleep in an unconscious state until resurrection. If so, how would we be present with Jesus upon his return? Likewise, how could the Old Testament saints and tribulation saints be asleep in an unconscious state if they are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which takes place in heaven? I think you get the point. What Daniel is saying is that the physical body will be resurrected, metaphorically speaking, one that will not die or age or get sick. It is an eternal glorified body. Those who have this new body are free from the human sin nature. They cannot sin or get married or even reproduce. Uh, the other group that Daniel mentions in 12.2 are the unbelieving Jews of the Old Testament. Their, their resurrection will come later, and like all others who do not come to faith and do not believe, they uh, they will be resurrected later when they face the, the judgment at the end, the great, great white throne judgment. And we'll talk about that later. Isaiah 26 talks about this, and John will describe it later when we, you know, discuss when we discuss the the throne judgment at the end, or what they call the second resurrection. This will be an amazing time uh, as we get to live side by side. Talking about the millennial kingdom, we get to live side by side, eat with, and talk to everyone from Adam to Moses, Noah, Abraham, Elijah. John the Baptist, I mean, you name it, we will get to uh, live with them and talk with them. Um, okay, guys, I have to cut it off here. Next time we will pick up with more of what John writes in chapter 20, um, as well as we will finish up the rest of the details on the 75-day interval period. So after that, we can dive headfirst into all the details of the Millennial Kingdom and let me tell you, it is awesome, to say the least. Join me next Tuesday as we continue our study. I will be traveling this weekend and will not be able to put out the next episode until Tuesday. So I will see you guys then. Have a great weekend and join me next time. God, your word is absolutely amazing. To see your plan laid out from beginning to end is breathtaking and hard to even comprehend at times. God, I truly love how your word speaks to me in different ways at different times. I love how the Spirit can take the same scripture that I have read numerous times and peel back layers revealing new insight with each layer. I'm grateful for your Spirit and how it teaches me and speaks to my heart, revealing things to me and, and teaching me your ways, helping me to understand a little more each day so that I can continue to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of you, God. Reveal yourself a little more each day to us. Teach us your ways and help us to grow in our faith. And with the strength of your word, let us go forth in your name and spread the good news of salvation. Amen.